welcome back to Different Aspects Podcast. I'm your host, Clancy Sinlinger, coming to you from the Wakatipu Basin in Aotearoa, New Zealand, on the traditional territory of the Maori people. I am so excited to share this episode that I did with Nahani McKay a Métis artist and photographer based on Treaty 7 territory in Banff, Alberta. She is also a skier and she was featured in Zoya Lynch's Beyond Begbie, a ski film about mountain names and responsibility of the outdoor community. This conversation took place back in February, so I'm going to give you a few updates as to what Nahani has been up to since then and her upcoming engagements uh, at end of the episode, so stay tuned. And for now, let's hear from Nahani. My name is Nahani McKay. Um, I she, her. I live on Treaty 7 territory um, in Banff, Alberta. Do you want to start by telling us what you've been up to lately? So what I've been doing this winter season, um, I was in a ski movie called Beyond Begbie, and it's about First Nations and place names and mountain names and colonizing, decolonizing mountains. And I'm one of the characters in the movie uh, starting at the um, summit of Begbie, which is really cool to be at the most intense part of the mountain and also the first character seen in the movie. I'm in it. It's a 15 minute movie. I'm in it for three minutes. And I talk about my artwork and being Métis and uh, mountain names. So Begbie was named after a colonial judge who hung five chiefs. And it's the story of that and how Canada idolized this man and how we're kind of breaking down who these people who mountains are named after are. And I talk about Rundle Mountain named after a reverend who started the residential school system in Canada and how he's named after one of the most epic looking mountains ever um, here in Banff. And so it's by Zoya Lynch and uh, Nat Siegel. And Colleen Gentman is the camera person. And they asked me to go to Revelstoke. And, you know, a ski movie later, I'm touring with the film. And we did the film fest we did in Banff. We did Vancouver. It's everywhere. It's all over Europe. It's um, all over Canada, which is really cool. And it's still touring. So we don't know when it's going to be online yet, which is like sad because I really want everyone to see it. But we will uh, hopefully be online soon. And that's been my winter. I haven't really been skiing. I've been promoting my skiing, which is so funny. I wonder if this is like actually what skiers do. <laughs> yeah, totally. That sounds like an amazing experience. What was it like touring around with the film? So touring around with the film was really interesting because I've never been in that space. I've never been in that pro athletic space. And the Banff Film Film Festival, Festival this year was really directed at diverse athletes, which was really cool. So being home here, I got to meet so many people from all over the world and just show them, not show them my home, but show them like a bar in my home and like and like go out with them and stuff which was so fun and um i met vazu which was amazing and then in vancouver i met indra 
and Greg Hill and just so many other professional athletes. And what I really loved about touring with the film was meeting everyone and everyone discussing the film with me and like asking about like myself, which I I thought was like so surreal because I I really looked up to these people for a while. And um and then them just asking me questions about like this film I I'm in when I'm like, oh no, I've like known you for a long time. Um that was pretty surreal. It was tiring. Um a lot a lot of uh late nights for sure. Um because of all the after parties which was like so fun, but it was like pretty wild. But yeah, it was like I don't know, like it also was exhausting to watch our film, but then hours long of films after. Um some were really cool, but some were like some were like mountain movies that's like me and it's all all about me and like enough about you like look at me and it was just like who cares <laughs> so um not to boast because it's my movie but beyond begbie was probably one of the most important and prominent films that i've seen in this circuit um so far yeah absolutely um i agree i i got a chance to see it in rebel stoke and um I thought it was really cool to have content in those big festivals, like the Banff Film Festival, that is prompting people to question the stories behind the names, as well as the stories that existed millennia before the names in those places. And and so now, have you had a chance to kind of breathe and reset, or are you still on the go? I'm still on the go. I'm heading to Nelson to in two weeks um for my own art so not really for the film but i think they're gonna show it and yeah so for my my part of beyond begbie um my, my touring is over but i'm still doing talks about um the film and my skiing so the, that kind of stuff i i don't want it to be over it's like feels like it's like i i'm overwhelmed now but i feel like in a couple of years when Beyond Begbie moves on and the other films come out, I'm going to really miss this period of time where I was like, I'm a professional skier. I'm a movie star. Come to my premiere. And yeah. Well, thanks for sharing uh, about your movie. Um, Thank you. Um, Nahani, can you tell us a little bit about how, I'd like to hear about how you got going with your art, which, which focuses on, nature as its primary subject, but also um, your history of skiing and, and recreating in the mountains. And I'm just wondering, what's the origin story there? It's funny when um, I listen to other people on podcasts, especially like yours, if it's like about people like trying to get out there and like, and like not having access to outdoors when it's literally like just what I grew up with. Like I don't have a, I don't have like um, a set moment or memory of my first time in the mountains I've just always been here and every time I leave I come back clearly like I still live in my hometown and I think I'm very privileged and very lucky to be able to have this um life that my parents um gave me and to know um a lot about recreating in the outdoors especially safety of my dad being a mountain guide and then my artwork 
kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, I went to school at Emily Carr in Vancouver and I always brought uh, photos of mountains with me to my art classes and people were like, oh, another mountain. Landscapes are boring, blah, blah, blah. And I agree. Like, like, I don't need to see another mountain photo. But I was like, no, it's cool, guys. And then I'm kind of like, okay, this is what I'm drawn to. I'm drawn to this place. And how do I turn it into something um, conceptual or something like uh, controversial, I want to say, too, because um, I feel like a lot of people who live here really idolize those explorers and always are like, they're a great man, great guy. And I'm like, he literally built tourism um, from the ground up and kicked all the natives out of this place. So I'm like, is it a great guy? I don't know. So I've just been exploring that with my art, starting with wildlife and uh, wildlife corridors and how there's recreation overtakes wildlife and tourism overtakes wildlife in Banff. Um, if you've ever read Bears, uh, Bears Without Fear, uh, there's a quote by one of the superintendents of Parks Canada saying um, Banff is a disgrace. And um, I agree at that point when it comes to conservation. And I just want to highlight that in my work because you don't see a lot of that. You see majestic mountains that make people want to be here. And I see a place I can see myself leaving in the next five ten years um i don't know if that'll happen but <laughs> but i it's just growing in population and growing in recreation and tourism and it doesn't seem to be on a halt and there's a thing with the amount of tourism with what parks canada limits banff to so it's just not built for that many people and people will just keep coming in but we're not building for a sustainable tourism industry. Um, they're just blocking off cars to go to lakes or like mountain climbing or um, other places. And that's kind of like what my work is about is just the human impact on the environment focusing in national parks. But right now it's just focusing in Banff. Yeah, pretty recently, um, like all access uh, to Moraine Lake was banned, right? Um, other than like maybe tour buses or walk-in, I can't remember which for a lot of people, there are some pretty classic um, like couloirs in there that people want to see. So it's kind of, it's like a double-edged sword. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I can't believe they threw that headline out without any information on what is happening with that because I have a corgi that loves to hike out there and I have a canoe that I can't take on a bus that I would love to canoe out to Moraine at sunrise like it's like am I never going to experience those moments again with my dog or like my friends at sunrise or am I never going to be able to finally tick off temple where I have to start at 5 a.m before the buses even get there like it's it's sad. I don't think it's a well-managed plan as of what is said in the media at this moment, but I really hope they figure a way around it. And I also like think about future generations, like my kids and my friends' kids and like all of the new locals as well, like never having these experiences that we got to have and 
just how that was taken away from us as well. Um, so yeah, um, it's, it was just like another thing that I was just like a huge eye roll. Yeah, it's such a paradox of like, uh, what do you call it? Wilderness tourism or like like viewing of, of landscapes tourism where people want to see a pristine wilderness, but that in itself is such a colonial concept and, and so like elitist in so many ways because um, there's there was this quote unquote pristine wilderness because it was managed and it was preserved before settlers even came here. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's definitely also like something to think about as well. Like you're totally right. It is a colonial aspect in itself. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about the ways that you that, that you want to challenge um challenge the systems and, and challenge what you see happening in your your hometown and through your artwork? Uh a lot of people get mad. A lot of my dad's friends, my mom's friends are so angry at me. That's fine. I don't care. Um, I really like to take photos of skulls and things that make people unsettled, um, which is skulls, furs, taxidermy, um, taking those items into wilderness because it is. Um, yeah, I like making stuff that's eerie. I like making things that make people feel super uncomfortable. Um, so to create that, I like to create sculptures and like kind of like creatures. Um, like my work whole eight is just like a bunch of skulls like meshed in the one and you can't really tell what kind of animal it is. And it's on the golf course where it's a wildlife corridor, but we have like the top 10 golf courses in the world um, in the middle of this wildlife corridor. And I golf too. Like I'm, you know, I, I'm not like a stranger to it and I'm not going to act like I don't use it if it's there i use it but it's interesting when like we can't we have to we can't wait we can't wait for the bears to like pass by or the elk the herd of elk to go through before we play a game they actually have to get people to come and chase them away which is crazy wow. and that's kind of like yeah it's kind of like what my my work is about too is just disruptance um of nature uh for this stupid sport <laughs> so oh. yeah um i pulled this great quote from your website um that you you describe yourself as a wildlife photographer but the only animals are ghosts so is that what you're kind of describing with the skulls in the wildlife corridors absolutely i think wildlife photography is extremely invasive and i don't know not that interesting so i really like to make my work about the ghosts um the ones that were once there the ones that are disturbed by photography yeah um and you you have an exhibition coming up in nelson and then one in italy as well that's my second international exhibition so i was in the florence or not i was in the venice biennale last year and i'll be in the florence biennale this year um this one's a little more relaxed than the venice biennale luckily for me um so i have that one coming up uh, i have one with ben evely who's also a Banff painter um in Kelowna at the end of the year and i'm in a really chill little like town hall show in march and i'm excited to create some controversial work for the whole town to see yeah <laughs> that's awesome cool. i want to 
talk a little bit more about, um, yeah, the inspiration for your work and specifically, um, we're hearing the word decolonizing a lot right now. And I just, I, I feel like it's one of those terms that it's, it's kind of easy to use and not fully um, dissect. And I was just wondering if you could tell me about what that means to you. I think decolonizing is taking taking the spotlight away from colonizers right now. Um, this is top of my head kind of answer. And what I want to say is that there's a movie about Mary Schaefer who claimed to discover, air quotes, um, Maline Lake and how they're going to recreate her adventure and her path and how great she was. And I think that's just the wrong message right now of what we need to listen to and we need to be more of like like focus on samson beaver who was who was a first nations man who showed her the map to that lake she didn't discover it at all and so in that example i want to say taking away from the spotlight of colonizers like renaming mountains is one of them too like i there's a lot of all fellow indigenous folks that don't agree with me about renaming mountains because that's a colonial um job all over again um but my view on it is why i think we should rename mountains is because they're named after these colonizers and i think we should stop saying their names over and over again to describe really cool views so your view is kind of that by using the name, even as the origin fades into distant memory, you think that the, the power accentuated as we continue to... Yeah, like they're remembered because of this name. Um, and then Tim, uh, who's in Beyond Begbie, completely disagrees with me. He's like, it doesn't matter what their name is. You have your own name. I'm like, no, we got to change it. So everyone has a different opinion about it, but that one's mine. Can I ask what your dad thinks? Because he's a mountain guide, right? My dad thinks that he should. We should definitely rename the mountain. We have the same views on that. We we don't agree on everything, but we do agree on that for sure. Um, and he agrees with me about these settlers as well. Like he, like growing up as a mountain guide, like he's had to listen to all those guys say, "Oh, Conrad Kane. Oh, Arthur Wheeler. Oh, all the you know, all those guys. Like everyone who's colonized Revelstoke as well." And he just, yeah, so he's never been phased by, like, the greatness of this person, um, which I think is really rare in the guiding community, because I, I think a lot of those guys really idolize mountaineers from an early, uh, an early age. Mm -hmm. I'd love to just talk a little bit more about growing up in Banff. And um, um, did you ever feel pressure like growing up in Banff and maybe growing up with a dad who was into it professionally as his career um to like be super into climbing and skiing yeah that I have definitely felt that pressure more in climbing I think my family's big into climbing I never was and I at that time I blamed it on my build like my body because i am like bigger than some of my family um most of my family and i just i was like i don't have the body to do this i'm fat and then like growing up i'm like 
no, no, that's not it. Like, that's not why I didn't like climbing. Like, I just blamed it on these stereotypes that we were like surrounded ourselves by. Um, I grew up knowing I really hated being on a wall really high up where the only thing that's holding you is a rope. And I just don't understand the concept of fun. And I remember this actually like this moment specifically. I was in the climbing gym here in town. I was with my uncle, uh, Peter Arbick, and my dad. And I was halfway up the climbing wall. And I was like, I want to go down. And my dad's like, that's not my daughter. And then PA was like, you can do better. Like, look at your dad. And I was like, I want it just made me cry harder. I'm like, I want to go down. And I like, he lowered me and I ran out the climbing gym and like (laughs) ran home. And I know. And that was like, that was, it's so clear in my mind at that moment. Mm -hmm. And then I, my boyfriend moved to Banff and I was like, do you want to try rock climbing? He's like, yeah, I'd be down. And then we went rock climbing and I haven't climbed in years, but I asked my dad to take us because I'm like, it's an experience. And I, I went halfway up the back of Lake Louise, um, one of the one of the routes out there. And I was like, I want down. And my dad's like, really? And I was like, I he's like, you're five feet off the ground. I'm like, I hate this. I do. I want to be down right now. And. Um, yeah, so that was <laughs> that was pressure. But luckily, I I really stuck to skiing and I really enjoy skiing. Um, so I think he's happy to have a kid who does that because my sister's a na- competed nationally for climbing um, in high school. So he had a winter kid and a summer kid, but it was just yeah, it was full <laughs> full pressure. Um, and now I just don't care. It's so lovely to just not do it and on my own terms. <laughs> And not spend any more time stressing about if I should get into it. And also, it's like another amount of money that I just like can't, I can't fathom spending. Because skiing is literally thousands of dollars. And I already do that. And I hate climbing. I hate mountain biking. Like, I don't like anything that you just have, like, you're just like, okay, like, I I guess this item is saving me today. And (laughs) And I am thankful that I don't do either. And what I really like to do in the summer is drink beer in a canoe with my corgi. (laughs) And that's it. What's your dog's name? Lupo. It means wolf in Italian because my boyfriend's Italian. And I'm trying to get him. I'm trying to convince him to get another corgi. And we're going to name him Orso, which is bear in Italian. And it's just gonna be a really cute family um i love that you had that moment of truth so early on you just realized it's not that i can't do this it's just that i hate it (laughs) i don't want to do it yeah and i know if i like you know it's practice with everything that if i kept doing it i would really i think i would enjoy it i think i would get better but it's just i don't know i have so many other things i would rather do (laughs) exactly so do you think like climbing and mountain biking, do you think it's ever the artist lens? Like, you know, you're you're either a breakneck breakneck pace when you're mountain biking or when you're climbing, you're like so engrossed. Do you think that has any part of it of just like the way your brain is wired to be in your surroundings as an observer and as an artist and like seeing it through that lens? 
Yeah. So skiing definitely keeps me creative. I really like learning. Um, so I think ski touring itself is so interesting to me because it's like, it's constant science. You constantly have to be watching the snowpack and like what's happening with your day. So I really, really, really enjoy that. Um, when it comes to in an artist lens too, I like creating, um, and to create, I like to learn about where I am and to do that when I ski is to learn about the mountain name. Like I was like looking at like when we were looking up um, ski touring, me and my roommate go touring a lot. And we were looking at Jimmy Simpson Pass. I think this was called just Jimmy Jr. Bowl or something. And then she was looking at the route and I was looking at what the what Jimmy Jr. was named after or like who he was. And then she's like, you're going to get lost if you don't pay attention. And I was just like, you're going to be dumb if you don't learn how to, you don't learn this. Like, so it's like quite fine. She's like, no. I'm like, no, you're right. I should pay attention. Um, and then, and I think that's what keeps my creative spirit going within skiing as well. Do you, do you think that you, that that, that you're always attuned to the history of the place, what you're seeing through the lens of, of photography and of wildlife photography, or do you ever just want to turn it off? I, uh, that's what my resort schemes for is, but yeah, no, it doesn't turn off because it's constant, it's surrounded here. It's just everything. And then like when you go into Banff, like the sign on the sign on the east side of the entrances is, uh, this really gross, ugly man smoking and it's Bill Pato. And I'm like, don't like that. And it's, it's hard to escape. People idolize these people and the business owners are, you know, older. <laughs> So they they love these people as well. So other businesses are named after cocktails are named after these people. Everything, and I it's interesting that that's how far it is it went. And um, I think it's slowing down the more my generation becomes um, involved in community. When you travel to other places that maybe you're not quite so emotionally connected to, um, do you still have that curiosity? Are you always looking for place names and origins yeah so uh vancouver is really good about it actually i was reading a book about how they incorporate public art with their first nations uh bands out there and they and then when you go up to whistler their signs are in the native language and english and i thought that was really cool so when i travel to other places um it's funny because going to Italy, it was kind of nice. Um, it's just Italy. <laughs> no one tried to take it over. England, maybe. I don't know. It's some Italians going to tell me what I said wrong. But um, yeah, I am quite aware and I ski Whistler a lot. So going there, I'm, I'm always interested in the mountain names as well. But I really want to learn more about the First Nations history than the colonial history before. Are there any specific moments in the realm of artistic creation that change the way you think about what you do i think i recreate in banff i think i try hard i try less <laughs> i uh I, I don't know like going into a new this is a good example going to a party where people just got here and they're always talking about their adventure their next big thing what they want to do um and like what they heard about this place um 
it's interesting to see the backbone of it. And like, I don't ever remember being that excited about hiking or anything (laughs) really. And it's, uh, it's interesting to still see how keen people are because the crew I surround myself with are just hanging out. Um, maybe we're at the hill. We're probably working. So, yeah. So having been so immersed in, um, in these outdoor sports and in a, in a place where, um, outdoor recreation is really the backbone of, for you, the thing that keeps you ticking and that keeps you coming back and, and wanting to, um, is it really like through now the Indigenous history and, and your artwork? I think uh, there's this um, view that people who live in the mountains are like always outside when it's like, no, I have a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also in the studio from 10 to 6 every Tuesday. So it's not feasible. So I still get really excited when I get to go out. Like yesterday, I went touring with one of my friends and I was like, oh, this is great. Haven't done this in a couple of weeks. So it never gets boring. And I'm like very thankful that I do make an effort. Uh, I can, I still make an effort. I still get so excited to like plan the next adventure, next trip, plan my next weekend. Mm. Um, And that's what kind of keeps me going because it's like, this is a part of who I am is, uh, is just like this person who's like being outside. I don't have the same view as everyone else about the mountains. And I think that what makes my, connection to them so unique you're really really passionate about indigenous artwork and about authenticity and i'm just wondering if there's anything you want to say um like i don't know for for anyone who um maybe if someone doesn't have the means to purchase artwork from an indigenous artist are there any other ways we'll support um indigenous artists oh yeah absolutely um Always buy from Indigenous artists if it's Indigenous artwork or some sort of collaboration. One. Um, two. What am I saying? Uh, support via Instagram as well. Tons of Indigenous artists are on Instagram. Give them a follow. Give them a like. Promote their work. Um, go to shows. Uh, listen to some artist talks. And yeah, there's tons of ways to support artists for free without buying work. Um, buying work would be great. But if you don't have the means and you just like want to support indigenous artists those are the ways to do it you can find out more and support nahani's work on her website nahanimckay.com nahani has upcoming shows in Kelowna and canmore for the upcoming winter season she also has her artwork on a pair of coalition snow skis for the first time I ride an older pair of the same ski, the Lanive, and I absolutely love them. If you're looking for a new backcountry ski, you should absolutely check them out at coalitionsnow.com. And you can find out more about the Beyond Begbie film at filmfreeway.com slash beyondbegbie. I am so excited to produce a second season of this podcast. I want to thank Sunshine drive Through for providing our awesome theme music. My friend Michaela Seaton for providing our cover art. You can find her on Instagram at Alpine Artistry. And I want to thank anyone who took the time to listen to season one, 
to provide a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast really helps people find this podcast. Of course, I also have to thank our host, Clancy Sindlinger, um, and our editor, Clancy Sindlinger, um, as well as our producer, Clancy. But all kidding aside, I am super stoked to be uh, working on this project. When I heard the theme music this morning, I cried. So thanks for following along. Get stoked for what's in store on season two of Different Aspects Podcast.